We don't have any actual shark attack stories in the Bible, sadly, because I meant, of course, the Bible would be better with shark attack stories. Um, no. Huh? Shark attack survivors, just something. Um, but since we don't have shark attack stories in the Bible, we are going to look at the closest thing we have to a shark attack story in the Bible, Jonah. She knows what Moses looks like, though. Um, but we're going to look at the story of Jonah because there might be some parts of the story of Jonah that you are familiar with or there might be some parts that you just don't know or that you only heard some Sunday school stuff that might leave out some parts. You never know. So we're going to look at this story. All right, let's first off. Jonah was, what was Jonah's job? What did Jonah do? Jonah was a prophet. Okay, he preached the gospel. He preached God's messages. He was a prophet. Um, He was the guy who delivered God's messages. Um, How does God speak to us now, primarily? Through the word, through what else? Us, preachers, stuff like that, but... Um, what, what's in us, the Holy Spirit, because listen, before Jesus, the Holy Spirit didn't dwell in all believers like he does now. Like, so Jonah didn't, Jonah and the people Jonah interacted with didn't have the Holy Spirit to freely just speak to them the way that we do. So God can speak to us in a lot more clear ways sometimes than just having to have a prophet. But that's the thing. Jonah's job was to be like that voice that told people what God wanted, what God expected. And so here's the first thing we're going to look at. Verse 1, and if you don't know, Jonah is a book in the Bible, so go there. Go to the book of Jonah. It is. There's a whole book just for Jonah. It's in, my, in this Bible, it's literally one page, but front and back. So it's not a super long story. Long enough for a VeggieTales movie, but not for three pages. Ain't that something you can turn a whole, make a movie out of two pages? It was a good movie. I mean, I, I genuinely enjoyed the Luffy. Luffy's Flansible Flannel Crafts. I love Luffy. Luffy's great. Uh, Mr. Twisty's cheese, Twisted Cheese Curls. It's a good movie. You know that movie was 13 years ago? Alright, shh. Yeah, Jonah came out 13 years ago. Alright. Huh? We're going to start with one. Alright. But, the first thing we see in Jonah chapter 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. All right, so first off, God sought Jonah out. God spoke to Jonah. Now, I don't know about you, but how often do you feel like God specifically speaks to you? That's something I would consider a privilege. Um, they're, they're only, you know, I feel God lead me sometimes, but I can honestly say, I can count on, the, on one hand the number of times I feel God truly spoke to me and told me something specific. I felt him lead me plenty of times. But like I can I can tell you exact moments where I was standing, what it was like when God spoke to my heart directly. Now, the thing is, when God speaks like that, I listen. That's just kind of my deal. I'm like, oh, you're leading me here. Now, here's the thing, though. I don't. It's not always easy. 
Sometimes it's difficult things. But God actually went out of his way to speak to Jonah. Now, here's the thing. Was Jonah special? God just chose to use him. Let me tell you this, guys. If God chooses to use you, please don't ignore it. If God chooses to use you in even the smallest way, don't ignore it. Because if God, who created the heavens and the earth, who sent his son to die for us, would look at us and say, I want to use you. That'd be like somebody looking at me and saying, hey, man, I want to put you in the NBA All-Star game. I'm like, why? This is going to end terribly. Um, it's a game for really good basketball players, and I'm short, I'm hefty, and I can't play basketball. So it's just a bad equation. Um, but... If God chooses to use you, don't, don't ignore that, okay? That, that's lesson one right here. If God chooses to use you, don't ignore it. Because look what Jonah did. Ver, uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amity, and Verse 2 says, Get up, go to the city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because their wickedness has confronted me. However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Okay, listen. God spoke to Jonah, and Jonah immediately got up and went the other way. Now, does this sound like somebody that God should use? No. If Jonah's first response to God's call is to run away, that doesn't sound like somebody God needs to use. But listen, how many of us do that, though? God tells us to obey, and our first response is to go the complete opposite way. We do that, and we're just as guilty as Jonah. So, Jonah went to Tarshish, and it says that he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went down to go with them to Tarshish, and the Lord's, away from the Lord's presence. So Jonah literally didn't try just to get away from the job God called him to do. The Bible actually says Jonah tried to get away from God, period. Now, is that silly? Can you get on a bus or a boat or a car to get away from God's presence? Be like, whoo, lost him. <laughs> you know, it's like Jonah's checking his rearview mirror. Oh, he's gone. No, you can't lose God. Yeah, he's everywhere. And so that was Jonah's mistake. Jonah tried to do that. All right. So God called Jonah. Jonah did what? He ran away. Okay. So then let's go. I'm not going to read the whole book, but then let's go to verse four. It says, then the Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. So God said, Jonah, go here. Jonah said, no. So when Jonah got on that boat, God literally threw a hurricane at them. It's like, oh, for real? Hurricane. And it literally threatened to tear the entire boat apart. Now, Jonah wasn't the only person on this boat. Jonah was on this boat with other sailors and other people that are traveling. And so, look what happened. Is Jonah's life in danger? Yes. yes. But who else's lives are in danger? Everybody. Everybody on that boat. And let me just tell you this, okay? This goes back to that scripture we read in Deuteronomy yesterday morning, where it said, choose life that you and your family may live. When we choose to disobey God, it doesn't just affect us. It affects everybody in our lives. When we choose to run from God, when we choose to disobey God, we literally are putting everybody in our lives, not necessarily in physical danger, but in the danger of being away from where God's presence calls us to be. 
If I sin, if I choose to disobey God, it will affect my wife. It will affect my children. It will affect my church. And it will affect all the people that are connected to me. It will affect you guys. If I did some crazy, stupid sin, do you think Uncle Paul would have me back? No. It would affect you. It would affect in those kind of things. And that's what happens when we choose to walk away from God. It's like dropping a rock in the middle of a lake. The ripples just kind of go on out. When we disobey God, we literally cause ripples that affect everyone that we're connected to. So these people on this ship were in danger because of Jonah. Now, we'll just fast forward just a hair just to say that they figured out that it was Jonah's fault. Okay? They figured out that it was Jonah's fault. And they knew that Jonah's God was doing this. And so let's go on down to verse 9. This is Jonah's response to them when they figured out it was his fault. I am a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then it says, the men were even more afraid and said to him, what is this you have done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. How sad is it that when the sailors realized that Jonah was disobeying God, they were scared. But Jonah, who actually worked for God, could do it without any problems. It's not great. Because listen, should we always remember how big and great our God is? We sang that song about our God is greater. Well, listen, if our God is truly that great, we should never try and go against him. Because when those sailors realized what Jonah had done, they were afraid. But Jonah had no respect. Jonah had no fear of the Lord. Jonah had no reverence for the Lord. He said, you know what? I don't need you. I don't have to listen to you. I can run from you. And most Christians usually end up in a place at some point in their life where that gets to be their attitude. Where they're like, they, I can just stop listening to God and I can do what I want. That's not where you need to be. If God is going to save you, if God is going to use you, please show Him the respect of actually making Him the focus of your life and listening when He tells you something. But it goes on to say in verse 10, the men knew he was fleeing from the Lord because his presence he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to calm this sea against us? Now here's the thing. They were, and it says, for it keeps getting worse and worse. They were scared of God, but they were still going to try and outrun God. They were still going to try and row farther or pedal faster to get away from God's wrath. Let me just ask you this. Do you honestly think if God is against you, there's anything you can do to stop it? No. What's the only thing you can do to stop God from being against you like that? Let's repent. You turn away from your sins, you stop running, and you go back to where God wanted you to do. Now listen, if Jonah would have said just straight up on this boat, God, I'm sorry, I'll go where you want. Do you think the storm would have stopped? Yes. Quite probable. But they didn't, and Jonah knew this. Jonah knew what he could have done. So he answered them, and look at Jonah's answer. This is how stubborn he is. Verse 12, he says, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will quiet down, for I know that I'm to blame for this violent storm against you. Jonah knew that he was, it was his fault, but rather than simply say, God, I'm sorry, I'll turn away from my sins, he's like, look, dude, just throw me in the ocean. 
If you know that it's your fault and that God wants your obedience, why wouldn't you just turn back instead of saying, just throw me in the ocean? That's like if you're talking in chapel and you're getting your cabin in trouble and you were to say, and I were to say, could you be, please be quiet? He's like, look, I'm going to get this whole cabin in trouble. Send me home. Why don't you just be quiet? But that's Jonah's attitude. He's like, this is my fault. Just throw me in the ocean. Let me just say this. You're going to see that Jonah was a very, very dramatic emo kid. And that's kind of his consistent attitude across the entire portion we see of him in the Bible, is that Jonah was very emotional. Jonah was very dramatic. And Jonah literally just shouldn't have been working for God by human standards. This wasn't the guy you wanted on your team because he was unreliable and undependable. But let me just say this. God chose somebody that didn't deserve it. And I'm grateful that God chooses us when we don't deserve it. But he said, pick me up and throw me in the sea. Verse 13 says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. Nothing happened. So verse 14 says, so they called out to the Lord, please, Yahweh, don't let us perish because of this man's life and don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Yahweh, have done just as you pleased. And then they picked him up and threw him into the sea and the storm, and the, it's, the storm stopped raging. So they said, God, we're going to throw this guy overboard. Please don't kill us. This, this is your storm. Don't be mad at us. We're just going to do what he said. And they threw him overboard. And as soon as he was thrown overboard, the storm stopped. That's kind of cool, isn't it? It's like he hits the water. It's all nice and calm. Here's another point we can take from this. Don't keep people in your lives that are disobeying God. You can be friends with people who aren't Christians. You can have associates with people who aren't Christians. But listen, if you are tied together with people who are disobeying God all the time, is that going to end well for you? No. The only way that the people in this ship lived was to cast off the one person who wasn't going to follow God. He literally was bringing their whole ship down. Now, does that mean you need to walk up to every non-believer you know and throw them out of a vehicle? No. Don't, no. Uh, don't do that. Uh, but what that tells us is this. Be careful who you let have an important role in your life. Because if you let somebody have an important role in your life who is disobeying God, it can affect you. Okay? Be careful who you let have a crucial or important role in your life because it can't affect you. Then, this, uh, uh, let's go to verse 16. The men feared the Lord even more, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord and made vows. So listen, once the people saw that God stopped the storm as soon as they threw Jonah out, they're like, oh snap, this is for real. And they prayed to God and they made offerings to him. But now verse 17, now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Now, that would seem kind of like punishment, wouldn't it? Yeah, you're floating in the ocean and God says, hey, big fish, go eat him. Okay. And so this fish goes, comes up and eats him. How would it have been if the story would have been different if uh, it would have been a shark instead of a big fish? Like, shark, eat that guy. Yes. Now, 
But here's the thing. Could God have made a shark go and eat him? Yes. But instead of a shark, God sent a big fish. And we normally call it a whale. And I know the Bible doesn't say whale, but I'm going to go with whale. Um, so God sent this whale to come and swallow Jonah. Why did God send a whale instead of a shark? Wanted them alive. You can you can survive, and literally this is true. You can survive inside of a whale. They basically mythbustered it. And um, yeah. <laughs> see, Finding Nemo, duh. Um, but <laughs> uh, you can you can survive inside of a whale. And so God literally took Jonah, and He didn't just put him in the whale to save him from drowning, which one, he did put him in the whale to save him from drowning, but he also wanted to get Jonah's attention and to show him these things. So, listen, Jonah's been through a storm, Jonah's almost drowned, Jonah got threw off the ship, Jonah got swallowed by a whale, and look, after all that, Jonah decides to pray. Now, after all of that happened, when would have been the right time to pray to start with? When Jonah had the bad attitude and had the dumb idea of running from God, he should have probably prayed about that. God, I don't feel right about going to Nineveh. I don't want to talk to these people. I don't want to save these people. My attitude's terrible. Can you help my heart? You know, if Jonah would have prayed at the beginning of this story, it'd be a real short story. It's already been over. He could be at canteen by now. But Jonah was stubborn. Blame him. All right. Dang it, Jonah. Um, so Jonah prayed this prayer. Look what it says, verse 2, just going to kind of run through this. I called to the Lord, verse 2 of verse, chapter 2. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out from the belly of Sheol, and you heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas. The currents overcame me. Your breakers and your billows swept over me. Jonah's poetic. But I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look upon once more towards your holy temple. I'm just going to keep, I'm going to bypass this, but if you read Jonah's prayer, Jonah recognized, look, God, I know you saved me. God, I know I didn't deserve for you to save me. God, I'm sorry I disobeyed you. And Jonah basically came to the point. Um, verse 7, he says, As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. That's a beautiful verse. Those who... Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But verse 9, he says, But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. So notice, this is what happened. Jonah finally comes to his senses. I will fulfill what I have vowed. God, I will go do what you wanted. Look at how much time of Jonah's life was wasted by disobedience. Remember how we said we've got that path that leads to life, we've got that path that leads to death? Jonah had whole days, maybe even weeks, of his life wasted because he chose disobedience over obedience. He could have got on a boat or camel or wherever, I forgot what the map looks like, and gone to Nineveh right when God said it, and this would have been over. But he wasted days and weeks of his life disobeying God. He lost those days and he couldn't get them back. So anyway, fast forward. Uh, verse 10. It's not a fast forward. It's the next verse. Then the Lord commanded... <laughs> 
the fish and vomited Jonah onto dry land. You know, I like to take this point and it makes me smile. God could have just told that fish to park and open up and let Jonah walk out. God should have said, pull over, you know, Willie, and let Jonah walk out. God didn't tell the fish to pull over and let Jonah walk out. God had that fish throw Jonah up. It's like, remember where you're at, kid. He's like, I want you to smell like vomit for a couple days. Don't do it again. Um, God saved him, but he gave him a reminder. (laughs) Don't do this. (laughs) Because you know Kai could have pulled that fish over in a heartbeat. But he had him throw him up. Just throw that out there. Um, So what game next is this? And... um, Gonna just kind of go through this a little quickly, just because it's you know the people of Nineveh. Basically, the people of Nineveh were really bad sinners. They were disobeying God, and Jonah went to them and said, "Stop, turn away from your sins." Now, I find it funny that somebody who had was so stubborn and wouldn't return or turn away from his sin is the guy God wanted to go and tell these people to turn from their sin. In our day, we would have called Jonah a hypocrite. Because he was doing exactly what he went and preached those people not to do. But God used him. Let's remember, God uses who he wants, guys. Not based on how perfect you are or how skilled you are. If God wants to use you, he will use you. And if you fight God, you're going to lose. Um, It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach the message that I tell you. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's commands. So all this took place. Jonah went and did what he said. God preached. In verse 10, it says, then God, God, Jonah told these people to turn from their sins. And guess what happened when he told them that? They turned from their sins. Literally, Jonah walked into one of the most wicked places on earth, said, hey, stop it. God wants you to follow him, stop sinning, stop disobeying. And the whole city went, okay, and stopped. A whole city of evil people listened to God quicker than his chosen servant. Think about how jacked that that is. A whole city of evil people listened to God quicker than the guy preaching. Just because somebody stands in front of you and tells you what God is telling you doesn't mean they're perfect. Just because God uses someone doesn't mean that they're right all the time. But God used Jonah in this capacity. Now here's the thing. That would have been a cool ending to the story, right? Jonah disobeyed God, got saved by a whale, repented, preached the story. People got you know, turned away from their sins. Happy ending for everyone. But then Jonah was dumb again. Let's look at what Jonah does next. Because jo- here's the thing. Jonah has one of the most unhappy endings of any Bible story. Just because of how ignorant Jonah lived his life right here. It says, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. Why was Jonah greatly displeased and became furious? He didn't want God to show those people mercy. He wanted God to punish those people because they were bad people. Even though he was just as disobedient as they were, God, Jonah wanted them to be punished. 
You ever had your brother or sister do something wrong and they don't get punished for it and it makes you mad? Well, that was Jonah. He's like, that's not fair. They're evil and they deserve to be punished. I got swallowed by a whale, blah, blah, blah. But Jonah, it says Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. After everything this guy had done, did he have any right to be furious at God? He didn't have any right to be furious at God. But listen, listen to how his response is. Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew that, listen, listen this is why Jonah ran away in verse 2. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to become angry and rich in faithful love, one who relents from sending disaster. Jonah was mad at God for being good. Jonah was mad at God for being merciful and forgiving. The same thing that saved Jonah's life, Jonah was mad about. He said, that's why I ran from you. I knew you were going to forgive him. Jonah needed to be eaten by a shark. Just throw that out there. Bump the whale, let him get eaten. But Jonah had this attitude that when he was angry that God was good. Listen, let me just say this. There should never come a point in our lives where we're, we are upset when God shows someone else forgiveness. There should never come a point in our lives where we're upset when God gives anyone grace or mercy. Because we deserve punishment just as much as anybody else. But when we see somebody that's like on trial or something for a crime, we usually want to see them punished, right? When you look at horrible things that happen in the world, you want to see people that do bad things punished. Does God want punishment or forgiveness for us? Forgiveness. We can't have that attitude where we delight in seeing people punished because we deserve to be punished as much as anybody. And listen to Jonah's response then. After he's mad that God is merciful, he says, And now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better to die than to live. Jonah literally is throwing a tantrum. God, kill me now. I don't want to be here anymore because you're too nice. Now, keep in mind, this is the guy God chose to use. He said, God, you are too merciful to these evil people. Kill me now. Now, did Jonah really think God was going to kill him? I highly doubt it. If God went to the trouble of having him saved by a whale and just free and forgave an entire city, I think Jonah just wanted God to give him like a pity party or something. Oh, poor Jonah. I'm so sorry. Or... Whatever else, but Jonah, that was literally Jonah's prayer. God, kill me because I'd rather die than live. Now, should that ever be our response when God does something? Even if Jonah had punished somebody, or I mean, even if God had punished Jonah or been mean to him, that wouldn't, shouldn't have been his response. Imagine how short the book of Job would have been if Job had that attitude. Jonah had no reason to be like this. But, you know what? A lot of times Christians can be this way. When we don't get things the way we want, we throw a tantrum. When we don't get things we want, 
we blow up Facebook and we argue with people for no good reason and we just get angry about things because things didn't go our way. Listen, if God wants to be merciful, we should be glad God is merciful because if He gives mercy to somebody else, then that means He also can give it to us. But Jonah prayed that. I love God's one response. God hears this big emotional statement and God simply asks Jonah one question. Verse 4, the Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? He simply asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry right now? Listen, when we get upset with how God does something sometimes, maybe we should ask ourselves the same question God asked Jonah. Is it right for me to be angry about this? Is it right for me to be angry? Because most of the time, guess what the answer is going to be? No. But... That was the case. It, he said that. So verse 5 says, Jonah left the city and sat down east of it, and he made himself a shelter there and sat in the shade to see what would happen to the city. Jonah's still hoping God's going to blow this city up. Jonah's still hoping that these people are going to disobey and God's going to destroy the city. Dude, let it go. Let that go. Um... But the Lord God, listen, look at how merciful God is, okay? Verse 6, the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew and provided shade over Jonah's head as to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. Jonah's throwing a temper tantrum, saying, God, kill me now because you're so nice to people. And then he goes to watch a city die, and then God grows a tree to give Jonah shade so he's not uncomfortable while he's whining. That's how good God is, guys. That's how good He is that even though we constantly fail Him, even though we constantly do things that, disapprove, that disappoint God, He gives us mercy every time even though we don't deserve it. Even in our sin, God often gives us mercy. And that's what He did for Jonah that day. Did Jonah deserve that little plant? No, but but then watch what happens next. Um, God's funny too. Um, when the dawn came next to the, the next day, God appointed a. Oh, hold up, let me make sure I'm on the right place. Yeah, yeah. And when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. So God gave Jonah that plant. So Jonah wouldn't be uncomfortable while he sat there waiting for the city to burn. When the next day came, God sent a worm that ate the plant and the plant died. Now here's the thing. Was God being mean at this? Here's the thing that we need to realize. God gave Jonah that plant to let him be comfortable. Did God want Jonah to stay there in his pity party? He gave him that plant to be comfortable for a moment, but God was hoping that Jonah would get his life right, that he would turn away from his sin and actually get up and move on. God said, look, I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to let you sit here for a minute, but you're not staying here. Uh, he was basically letting him do it. Because like when my, you know, okay, my youngest daughter, she's two, when she has a meltdown and for whatever reason, she listens to me more than my wife. That's the only one of my kids that does this. This one does. I'll look at her. I was like, look, 
you could stop crying right now and join our family, or you're going to go sit in your bed until you stop crying. She'll be like, and I'll be like, are you done? Okay, good. And she'll make that little sad face at me. But I was like, look, I'll let you go cry, but you're going to go do it over there, and you're going to go do it in a way that doesn't disturb everybody else. God said, Jonah, I know you're upset. I know you're emotional. I'm going to let you calm down. And I'm even going to be nice to you and graceful and merciful to you while you calm down. But God never intended for Jonah to stay there. Listen, Jonah, or God will give us mercy in our sin sometimes, but does that mean God wants us to stay in our sin? No. God, God would have probably been happier if Jonah would have taken that moment, saw God's mercy, and said, you know what? God, thank you for being merciful to me. It's silly for me to want these people to be punished. God was getting Jonah's attention, and Jonah missed it. Went right over his head. So the plant withered. In verse 8, as the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head that he almost fainted. And look where he's at again, and he wanted to die again. He said, it is better for me to die than live again. Had his little temper tantrum, literally the same thing that just happened before. Then God said to Jonah the same question he asked Jonah before. Is it right for you to be angry about that plant? He says, is it right for you to be angry? But then God said, is it right for you to be angry about that plant? And look at Jonah's response. Yes, he replied, it is right, and I'm angry enough to die. Who talks to God that way? Jonah does. Jonah literally, I can you picture Jonah pouting, like, yes, I'm angry, and I'm angry enough to die. I mean, literally, that's where this guy was. Poor little Jonah. When? Um, so the Lord makes this point. So he says, you cared about that plant, which you didn't grow, going on. Uh, or Let me actually read it. You cared about the plant, which you did not labor, nor did you grow. It appeared in the night and perished in the night. Should I not in... Should I not even care about the great city of Nineveh, which has over more, or more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between right and their left, as well as many animals? And God made that question, look, you just got that upset because a plant died, but you were okay with 120,000 people dying. Jonah missed it. So Jonah missed the point completely. So here's three things I want us to take away from this, okay? One, if God uses you, what should you do? Listen, do what he's using you for. If God, if you disobey God, what will he offer you? Forgiveness and mercy. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If God wants to use you, let him. If you sin... He will offer you forgiveness if you will simply ask Him. But here's the, same, the last thing I want you to realize. Other people deserve forgiveness as much as you do. God wants to use you. Let Him. God wants to forgive you. Let Him. God wants to forgive other people. Re be glad. And don't be upset about it. Because Jonah, literally, this, that's the end of the story of Jonah. Jonah having a temper tantrum before God because a plant died. And that's how the book ends. That's the whole book of Jonah.
What would be sad, guys, if that's how our life is summed up? God wanted to use us. We disobeyed. We had the wrong attitude. And in the end, God stopped using us because we had the wrong attitude. I don't want that to be my story. I don't want that to be your story. God reached out to this kid at camp. This kid was too stubborn to listen. He missed what God was showing him. I don't want that to be your story. So listen, if you know God is telling you to do something, maybe it's God's calling for you to be saved. Maybe it's God calling for you to turn away from some sin that's in your heart. Maybe it's God calling you to go somewhere and serve Him in some way. Wherever God is calling you, go do it, please. Don't make God have to chase you down because eventually you're going to end up in that same place where God literally is trying to say, why are you angry? What are you doing this for? If God wants to use you, please let Him use you. Let's pray and we're going to roll out for today. God, thank You for loving us. Thank You for being grateful, gracious to us. We are grateful for that. God, help us have the right attitudes, the right heart and minds that we can truly be the people You call us to be. That we wouldn't be as stubborn as Jonah. That when you offer us forgiveness and mercy, we would accept it with love. And that we would obey you when you call us and tell us to go somewhere in the first place. In Christ's name, amen.